what you train for. Life. Welcome to Train for Life, a podcast brought to you by ISI Elite Training. I'm Adam Rice, founder and CEO, and we'll be hosting this alongside Amanda Hall, our COO. Tune in weekly as we explore topics on personal and professional development to help you level up in all aspects of your life. We call this Training for Life. What's up, guys, and welcome back. Adam and I are super excited to welcome our next guest to Train for Life podcast. Um, Layla, welcome. Thank you. Layla is the franchise partner for our Dilworth, Charlotte, North Carolina location. Her passion for health and wellness started at a young age, and after a short time in corporate America, she made the switch to a career in fitness. She started as a member of ISI Fort Mill and immediately fell in love and felt called to bring this amazing community and workouts to the Charlotte fitness scene. She's very involved in the day-to-day operations at the facility and connected in the local community through business partnerships and community events. When she's not coaching or connecting with members, She enjoys spending time exploring Charlotte with friends, being a dog mom to her pup, Ollie, spending time with her family and cheering on the Panthers. Keep pounding. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Layla. Thanks for having me. Super pumped to have you. So, man, I remember a a quick backstory. Um, You're obviously one of our first three franchise partners. Mm -hmm. Um, And the you came from you came from orange theory you were a, a head coach at orange theory yep. and then became a member at fort mill but like before that kind of give us your story like are you originally from here and then i know you went into corporate america i know yeah. you got into coaching like give us that story what built up to kind of exploring high side yeah so i um i'm originally from atlanta but i grew up most of my life in charlotte so charlotte's really all i remember um i say i'm from charlotte but i once i graduated i um graduated with a communications degree so I went into recruiting for like a year um, and I hated going to work I hated coming home from work I hated sitting at a desk all day Um, but at the time I was a member actually at Orange Theory Um, I was a member for probably two and a half years I started in college um, just because I had played sports my entire life growing up so I never went to the gym like I was always at practice or we were doing team workouts um I never had to actually make fitness a priority in my life because it was just something I did every day. Um, So I was a member at Orange Theory, hated my life in corporate America. And like through becoming friends with people at Orange Theory, I realized like I can make this a career. Um, So I studied to get my personal training certification. And it took me probably six months to do from the time I decided I wanted to do it until the time I got it. And then I um, saw that Orange Theory was hiring. So I applied to be a coach there. Um, So I went from being a member there to being a coach and um, was a coach for two years. And then I was um, promoted to head coach. And um, it was in Fort Mill. And um, ISI was actually opening like two miles down the road. Um, so once it opened, I kind of started hearing buzz about it and just how different the workouts were, how different the coaches were. And, um, everyone was like, you got to try it out. Like, we know you'll love this with your background in, um, sports. And I just, I liked lifting weights more than I liked running. Um, so I went to ISI very first session. It was 5 a.m. The coach was also the sales associate at the front desk. It was a Shanti. So like, you know, like I'm walking up in the parking lot and this dude standing at the door, like screaming. I'm like, what the heck am I getting myself into? Um, the best 
session I had ever taken at, to, up to that point at a group fitness facility. Yeah. Um, just like the energy, um, the people. Like I walked into a space of 20 new people, knew no one, but instantly just like felt connected. Um, so I became a member then at ISI in Fort Mill. And um, I mean, I would say it was probably like four months I was a member. Um, like sneaking out of orange theory after I was done coaching to go <laughs> work out at ISI. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I loved it. And, um, so from there, I just like, I knew that the next step that I needed to take as far as like my career in fitness, um, would be to either do my own thing or, um, ownership in a franchise. And just, I mean, from day one, like, like I said, ISI, which is different, um, so that's kind of what prompted me then to take those steps and take the leap of faith and um, become a franchise partner. It's awesome. Yeah. And just for, for everybody listening, so to preface before we get into, because I know we're going to dive into female leadership mm -hmm. and female ownership and all of that. Um, so Layla is, just to give everybody some context, you opened your first, or you opened Dilworth. Mm -hmm. In December of 2020, yeah. you did pre-sales through COVID. Yeah. Um, last month, I believe, Amanda, am I not correct or am I correct? She led the system in revenue. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And Record month. is pushing close to 400 members yeah. now and just has a facility and community that's on fire. So for anybody looking for leadership advice, not even just female leadership advice, like zone in on what we're going to talk about here. Um, because there is a lot of context and I think context is important when we're talking about the things because it's one thing to hear it's it's something else to hear it from someone who's actively in the trenches doing it day in and day out yeah and I would say like going going back to that thought of for my career I love what you said how I did look at it and say for my career the next step is mm -hmm. doing my own thing or getting into a franchise but ownership what what kind of helped you make the jump? Because I would say I'm sure there's a lot of young, whether they consider themselves an entrepreneur or not, but there's a lot of people who are young or not young in their life, and they're at that point where they're like, how do I go from I know I want to do something on my yeah. own, I want something that's mine, yeah. um, but I don't know how to go from I know I'm really good at this, and how do I transition that into business? Like, how, What would you say or what would your advice be, or was there anything that you kind of went through emotionally to get you to that point? I think action, like, you know, I've, everyone, like you said, like, no matter how old you are, you hit a point where you can be comfortable where you're at, or, you know, like no matter where you're at, there's always a next step. Yeah. Um, so I think figuring out what you have to do to get to that next step and then just taking action on it. Um, you can sit there and continue to do the same thing day in and day out year after year, but until you actually change something, nothing's going to change. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I could still be in my same position happy I mean it's not that I wasn't happy um but you know to grow professionally to challenge myself more like it was just taking that next step um yeah I think it's really powerful to say I made the decision and now I get to be my own boss if you will or you get to be in, in your shoes I get to see you you know every day when I'm in Dilworth and I know the type of leader you are which we're going to dive into you never kind of give that boss persona yeah. but I do think it's it's cool to say like I'm in charge of my destiny I've taken something I'm really good at for two years mm -hmm. and then made it made it into something that now is my own that I'm passionate and believe in and the community you've you've inspired really to grow 
through your team is phenomenal. I mean, I don't, you know, I see it every day. I also saw it a year ago and see what it is today, and I get to be a part of it, uh, which is amazing. So I want to talk a little bit about, I want you to share with us a little bit about your kind of mindset around leadership. Like, what do you think, um, and I think this can transpire whether you're leading a team or you're just individually a leader in your own right, role, home life, whatever that is. But what's your kind of view on leadership before we talk about being a woman in leadership, but Mm -hmm. just leadership in general? I think leading from the front. I mean, we hear that all the time, but when your people see that you're doing the things that you expect them to do, I think they just do it with so much more respect for you and respect for your business. but then they do it also the way that you would do it if you were in their role. So like I have, I think I have a problem delegating a hundred percent. Like I want to do it all. I know I can do it all, but there's not enough time to do it all. Um, So, you know, trusting people to do the things that you want them to do and you expect them to do in their roles um, and leading them to do it the way that you would do it. I think when they see you do it first, um, they're more apt to, to do it the right way yeah um and then also it makes them feel like you could jump in and do it at any time too and not like you're micromanaging them or you're talking down on them um and I think I mean from my background at Orange Theory like I was in a position as a head coach working with our manager our facility manager um where our owners trusted us like they they were in the business um not to the extent that I am but I mean, they did truly trust us. And I, I liked being led that way. Um, I think it's it helped me become the leader I am today. Um, but I think also, like, feeling trusted as whether you're a part-time sales leader or a facility manager or a head coach, like, it empowers you to own your role and, like, mm. and own a piece of the daily operations of the business. Um, so I think it empowers people when they know that you trust them, but then also um, it res- they respect you a lot more when they see that you do the same things that yeah, they do. Yeah, that you're willing to jump Absolutely. in where they are. Absolutely. Yeah. What, how would you say important it is to hire the right people? Oh, my gosh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, hiring the right people and also getting the wrong people out and not letting it linger. I know one thing, Adam, like you talk about consistently is um, the, the culture and how the wrong people in your business can bring the culture completely down, whether it's one person or whether it's three people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard. Like someone can be an amazing person, but maybe they're just not the right person for that role. Maybe they're Mm -hmm. not the right person for the vision that you have for your facility. Um, So it's hard to, to make those decisions, but um, yeah, a hundred percent, like the right people in the right place will make things run smoothly and be so much less of a headache. Yeah. Yeah. How, so if we look at you've, you've uh, essentially almost tripled the size of your business Mm -hmm. and community in about 18 months. Right. So when you look at that and what I see from that perspective is you talk about action, Mm -hmm. but you, I want to talk a little bit about execution Yeah. because how old are you? 28. Okay. So you've got a quote unquote millennial, right? And one thing that's very interesting that I see and, and talking with other people within the franchising world is millennials are phenomenal at executing. Like they, they don't try and 
veer off, but they have enough interde- interdependence to say, hey, if this isn't created, I'm going to I'm going to create it, but I'm going to stay within the guardrails of essentially what we're trying to do and accomplish here. Yep. And I obviously you're phenomenal at executing. So how important is it for someone to actually execute the playbook and not worry about recreating? And how have you seen that be beneficial within franchising and why has franchising been, you know, kind of the the bedrock of foundation to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it can make or break your business on whether you execute or try to, to recreate the playbook. You say a lot of times, like, look at the data, like the data doesn't lie. Yeah. Um, I mean, the KPIs that we have in place that we've had in place since day one, I mean, we go by those numbers and we know if we don't hit those numbers, whether it be leads in the door, um, memberships that we sell monthly, um, you know, I mean, member retention, if we aren't hitting those numbers, we're not going to be where we need to be to be successful. Um, So I think month over month, looking at the data, looking at the numbers and executing to do what you need to do to to get the numbers you need to be successful will make or break um, your business. It'll make or break your community. Um, Because if things aren't flowing in the door, I mean, your community is not going to going to be exciting it's not going to be changing people aren't going to be excited to get in there um so yeah i mean i think recreating something especially in the franchising world like why would you do that right um you know i feel like you guys do like the hard work in that sense for us like you help us so much with the kpis from the top um all we have to do is go out in the community and execute Mm -hmm. um and that helps us to be successful with where we're at. Like last month with the, the lead generation challenge, yep. um, we had a, obviously across the brand, a lead generation challenge to see um, who could get the most leads last month. And I mean, endlessly, we were working to get referrals through the door, um, our name out in different uh, like wellness places in the community, just to get like-minded people through the doors to experience ISI. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, at that point, it was just execution. Um, and then the leads kept flowing in. So, um, talk about that word momentum. So you guys are seeing it like crazy. And I think this can relate and resonate with anybody who maybe is feeling stuck in their life, Mm -hmm. right? Doesn't just have to be business, Yep. but you guys took massive action to the things you already knew that you needed to do. And it created this massive momentum that you're feeling. You got, I think, over a hundred and some odd new people in the door right now on a promotion. Yeah. Um, I think it starts with the people you already have in the door to create that momentum. Like, as staff, we can be excited. We can try to create that momentum. But when Mm -hmm. you have 350 other people that are behind you with that excitement, that's where the momentum comes from. Um, So... I mean, it, it starts with our community, friends going and telling their friends about ISI. Um, you, I mean, even wearing their shirts um, that say ISI Elite Training, reposting on their social media. I think momentum comes from within the walls that you already have. And then it just keeps bringing people through the doors and driving excitement. And I mean, that's where yeah. the 100 plus people came last month because wow. um, they were excited about it. You know, they've, they've heard about it. They've seen it. I love that you... Um I think to be in this business in general and any business you're in, everybody, every business is about people. You know, when you get the people right, you get the momentum. Um, not that there's not execution and other factors, but talk about your community a little bit as a woman who's very involved, um, but also probably less involved today than you were originally, right? Mm-hmm. 
a little bit as you've grown, but I do, I do see like you have what's probably 60% or so women based members. Yeah. How do you feel that you as a woman connect with them and, and do you feel like you get that opportunity to inspire them? You know, what does that mean to you as a woman owning this business? Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think from being a female who is, um, the franchise owner of the facility, people see that. And I mean, I've probably had 10 of our members that are females come up to me and be like, wow, like you can actually do this. It's like, yes, I can. Like, and I mean, yes, I'm young, but also I think, um, we connect on that level of being young, but also like it's been females that have come. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think inspiring them from that standpoint of like, maybe it's not fitness that they have a passion for, but I mean, the, the conversations that we've had about changing into a career path that they love even, um, just because they see me coming in and we have conversations about how it's not a job. Like I love being around our members. I love having conversations with them about that. Um, so inspiring them from that front. Um, and then also, I was going to say, do you ever feel like because you're a woman or your age, which you Mm -hmm. talked about being young, that it, are people shocked that you own it or or do they ever, do you ever feel like you're underestimated or yes, Um, absolutely. And I think it goes back. You said earlier, like, I don't have this persona about me. Like I'm in charge. I'm the boss. Um, so I think that plays into it too. Like I kind of, I feel like I blend in with my staff. Like I want people to view me as, um, no different than they do anyone else that's there. Like I'm there to, to serve our members and that's it. Like, I don't feel like they need to look at me as any different than them. Um, so I think people have that like, oh, wow moment from that. Like you're the owner. Um, but then also, I mean, I am young, like I'm half the age of some of our members. Um, but they say, oh, wow. But then it's always like, this is incredible. Like, it's amazing that you're doing this. So I think, um, I mean, I think they see that the, our female members see that. And, um, from a professional standpoint, like it inspires them. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that you are one of the strongest leaders I've seen that leads with a level of, um, humility, but in a, in a very good way, you know, and I know you talked about like working alongside your team. Um, but I also think you put them in positions where they're seen, um, as the trusted, the the trusted advisor in their Mm -hmm. role, whether they're the coach or your facility manager or your sales leaders, like everyone knows that, even if you're there amongst them, like that is their, that they are the expert in that role. You do a really good job. And I love what you said about coming alongside of them. I don't want anybody to see me as, oh, that's the owner. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you feel like you've ever had some challenges? Um, And maybe it's not even here at ISI, but just as a woman in leadership, have you felt any, you know, areas that you're challenged or that maybe you would say like, man, I don't know. Do I just feel like this is different because I'm a woman? Yeah. Um, we, during the build out and construction phase, my dad, um, was alongside me. I mean, through most of it, he's amazing, but he, he would be there and just as a male presence, like everyone would always go to him. Um, but he was like very quick to, to be like, don't talk to me. Like she's (laughs) the one making the the decision. She's in charge. Yeah. Um, so like, I mean, even as we close stuff out with construction, like it's still like that. Um, that's, I mean, that's one thing that sticks out um, just as being female that I felt like less than yeah, or not like, I don't know, treated as the one that is in charge. 
I, I would say I would bet a lot of women, whether you're in a room, whether it's professionally or personally mm -hmm. and you're with men, I mean, I think that is a common commonality, right? Yeah. If a guy's there and it's something that's of decision worth, I see that a lot, like where they'll look at the guy first yeah. versus the woman. Yeah. That is interesting. But I could see in, in that industry in construction, mm -hmm. um, I could see how it would even be more more so that they're naturally they're thinking yeah. maybe a trait of a guy would be to be more concerned with construction than a woman. Absolutely. But either way, hmm, it's interesting. Yeah. How do you, so speaking on like being a female leader and owner, we spoke in one of our first episodes around potentially females that I, I'm, I'm going in the direction of standard, right? So you, I, from what I see, I'm not in your day to day, but you hold incredibly high standards for your team. Mm -hmm. However, I've also seen from other female entrepreneurs is, or not even entrepreneurs, even managers will say like, you know, if I'm holding them accountable or if I have a tough conversation, I come off as, you know, a B-I-T-C-H. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance that? Uh, it's got to be even harder with being an owner because naturally people's mindset is, oh, you, you just, you're making $9 million, right? People yeah. just, they don't see everything else. Yep. So how do you balance that with, what I feel sometimes just these struggles of being an owner, but then you put that on top of being a female owner and having those hard conversations. Yeah. Um, I think if you set the precedence, like say you're going into a hard conversation, I've found that like, if I'm having one of those hard conversations, you set the precedence, like, you know, this is going to be a hard conversation. This is hard mm -hmm. for me. Um, but if you go into it with the mindset of like, I'm going to grow from this, which I feel like yeah. over the past year and a half, two years, like a lot of those hard conversations that I've had for the first time, if I had them now, the ones that I had a year ago, it's not even a hard conversation right. anymore. Um, so I think just going into it, knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable, um, you might not feel as respected as you want to feel in the conversation, yeah. but just like holding your own voice and realizing that, I mean, no matter who it is you're having the conversation with, whether it's male or female, no matter how old they are, because I feel like I also have that as I'm young. Yeah. Um, that's another factor that's added in there. Um, and just like really, I mean, respecting myself in a sense, like I'm having this conversation for a reason. I'm going to grow for it from it. I'm going to help this person grow from it. Mm -hmm. Um, that is just mindset going into it. One thing I see in you is you're you're very proactive mm -hmm. and hard conversations get they're more abundant mm -hmm. when you're reactive, right? Yeah. So how important is it for you setting standards with your team and expectations up front to help alleviate some of those hard conversations, whether it's something as simple as this is how we do the sales process or this is my expectation when you greet members? Mm -hmm. Um I mean I obviously they know their expectations up front. Mm -hmm. Um but it's a lot in day-to-day -day operations, like things get lost sometimes. Um, but I think what's helped is addressing situations, no matter how small or big the problem is, like right then, yes. um, and making it more conversational so that it doesn't get to a point where it's like third strike, fourth strike, fifth strike of mm -hmm. it happening repeatedly. Um, Cause it's not a hard conversation. If, I mean, it could be taking the trash out after a shift, like, right. Hey, I noticed you didn't take the trash out. Make sure you do it next time. Right. Um, even feedback with a coach, with, um, our facility manager, like having the conversation then and not letting it linger. Cause then it doesn't, um, like add up and just become magnified. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I always say too, like no one sets up, no one starts a job and expects to fail. Right. So if you're not 
setting an expectation and then telling them and helping guide them, then yeah. then it is a hard conversation. Mm -hmm. Then on the back end, you view it as you didn't have my back yeah. while I was in the role. Like yeah. you weren't you weren't letting me know that this wasn't meeting a standard. Right. And no one's perfect. Like no one's going to do everything right anyway. So, um, I mean, the conversations have to be had. Um, I feel like it's just, it's healthy to have those conversations. I hear a lot more now that people are afraid someone's going to quit. Yeah. Um, and I hear that that's a fear. Like if I tell them they're not meeting my expectation or they're not doing this correctly, they're just going to quit. Um, I always, you know, I'm always kind of shocked by that because I always feel like, well, then they missed it at the very beginning yeah. and you didn't come alongside them as the right leader. Um, but do you have a lot of fear of that, like with your team or do you feel like your communication is just open and that's not something that you're fearful of? I wouldn't say I'm fearful of it. Um, I mean, hiring people right now is very hard, so I always yeah. hope that no one yeah. quits, but I think that having that open communication and also asking them for feedback, like I feel like at least once a month, myself and our facility manager are asking like, how can we better communicate with you? Um, whether we feel like something isn't translating to them or I mean, just always wanting feedback on how I can be better in my role too and like better serve my team, I think is important. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes them feel like it goes both ways. Like they can give me feedback, but also they know that I will call them out and I'm going to give them feedback too. I love that. What would you say to somebody who is listening to this because you you were previously with Orange Theory and then came and opened ISI and maybe they're listening to this and they're like, why would I, why would I not necessarily own an ISI, but just want to come into an ISI? Yeah. Um, what would you say to them? Like, why is it, why, what would you say so different about it? Not necessarily from Orange Theory, but yeah. just in general, what makes it unique to you from your perspective? The community is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I mean, I, I've dabbled in a lot of different group fitness um, facilities in Charlotte when I've gone out of town and it's just, it's so different. The feeling you get when you walk into an ISI, um, it's welcoming. It's um, the workout. It, it challenges you in a different way. That's not repetitive. Um, I think the fact that coaches have a little bit more say so in the type of workouts, um, I think kind of makes it a little bit more challenging, but also they take more ownership in the workouts too. Yeah. Um, they're delivering something that they truly believe in. Mm. Um, so I think from the community aspect and the workout aspect, um, it's just, it's, it's challenging in a different way, but also it's, it's welcoming in a very genuine way. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. What, what would you, what would you say to somebody? Um, so let's, let's speak to the younger generation here yeah. that, maybe it's not opening a business, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, it's taking that leap to the next level in their life. Like mm -hmm. uh, the reality is there's a lot of people out there that are maybe in their mid twenties right now that, you know, are, they're wanting to have a family. They're wanting to take that next level in their life, but you know, they're making good money maybe right now, or we're in a, a landscape of remote work yeah. and maybe their next step is, man, I got to go to the office 40 hours a week. Yeah. What would you say to that person to level up their life? And then I want to know kind of what your, what, what are your goals? Like, mm -hmm. what is your vision for where you want to head, you know, within ISI or, yeah. or whatever it is? Man, I think, I think if someone's thinking about the next step, I think like they're itching for it. They want it. So they might be comfortable with where they're at and that's fine. But if they're thinking about it, like they should probably just take that jump and do it. Yeah. Um, it's going to be uncomfortable, but I think surrounding yourself with, the right people, people that are going to support you, um, 
And I think being young too, something that kind of plays into it is realizing that the group of friends you have when you take the leap into something um, that helps you grow, whether it is entrepreneurship or starting a family, no matter what it is, um, there are probably going to be people that are left behind um, that aren't going to understand the way that your life is going to change. And that's fine. Like there will be more people though waiting for you at that next level. Wow. And they're going to help you when you get to that next level, um, grow and yeah. really succeed in that next level. Um, so I, I mean, I think just, just taking the jump and doing it, um, is only going to help in the long run, make your life 10 times better. I always say like, what's the way I like the, the lens and what I funnel every decision through is what's the worst thing that can happen. Absolutely. And it's like you go bankrupt. Yeah. Okay. Like then it's a question of, do I have the confidence to get back to where I was? And if the answer is yes, then move forward. If Mm -hmm. the answer is no, then don't do it. Yeah. And that's kind of like a risk tolerance. Right. But it's like for somebody wanting to open an ISI, Mm -hmm. it's like, say they're in sales right now. We'll say, you know, you do it, you hate it, you get into it, whatever you sell it. But could you go back into that sales job? And if the answer is yes, then like, why not? Like regret drives me. Right. Absolutely. I don't want to be, uh, there was this one time I was in a, a Vistage group meeting and I was around a table of probably about 12 CEOs and there was a guest speaker and I'm, I'm like 23, 24 at the time. And this guy is a multimillionaire. And I said, as a young entrepreneur, like what's your biggest piece of advice? Mm-hmm. And he said, Every single day I live with regret because all I did was travel the world to build my income. He's like, now I have millions and millions of dollars, but now I don't have time with my kids. Wow. Mm -hmm. I was like, God. And that goes to show, though, like he has millions and millions of dollars, but he can't buy back the time. Yep. With his family. Buy your health. You can't do anything. So I think it's like it's one of those things where a lot of people. Yeah. You got to like commit and sacrifice and sprint like what you're doing. Right. But you're setting yourself up, and this will parlay us into that. You're setting yourself up for your life. I think I saw an Instagram post that you maybe reshared, like, I don't know, months ago. But it it said something about if you want to live an easy life, run into hard things, like, now. Yeah. It didn't say that, but, like, that was the the theory behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what, where do you want to go? You're 28. You said, um, you're super young. Yeah. You're super successful right now. Like, where do you want to go? Um, professionally. Yeah. Professionally and even personally. I think, I mean, my vision when I sit back and I think like five years from now, where do I want to be 10 years from now, where do I want to be? I'm so involved with the facility now and I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't change anything about my day to day life right now, but I want to get to a place in the next year where like I'm in it when I want to be in it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I don't feel like a full-time employee, um, on my coaching staff or on my sales staff. Um, cause then at that point I feel like I'll be able to really take a step back and focus on location two, three, four, and ideally like have more of like a, a region of yeah. facilities. Right. Um, that I mean are all like, I, j- I want to replicate what we go big, Layla, like, go big. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 10. Yeah. Um, there we go. There yeah. we go. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean like that's where, that's where I see like my vision, um, within ISI hundred percent. Cool. What yeah. about personally? Um, well right now I just need my dog, but Um, no, I mean, I want a family. Um, and that's, I mean, I think that's another thing. Like I couldn't do what I do now and also be a mom. Yeah. Um, so I want to find that balance. Um, but yeah, I went, I want some kids. I want a husband, I guess, along the way would help too. Um, yeah. So when you say I couldn't do what I do now without kids for that, say that 
we've got a member that's a mom yeah. that has a three-year-old. Yep. Obviously, she's not going to be able to be as involved with yeah. you as, as you are, right? Yeah. Um, but what would your advice be for someone like this? Like, man, like my kid's now going into daycare. I'm going to have time. I want to yeah. get back into this. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, can they do it? And if so, what's your advice for setting up their team yeah. to do that? Absolutely, they can do it. Um, I would say setting first set themselves up by finding themselves an amazing facility manager and an amazing head coach um, that can be the leaders on the sales side and the coaches side so that they don't have to be. Um, They can lead the two of them and they can run the facility the way that they would run it. Um, So find themselves a Brandon and a Brittany. Those are (laughs) head coach and facility manager. Um, But then also just like trust them. Um, Be involved, but also trust them and empower them to make the daily decisions. And you can, they could easily be there to pick their kids up every day. Yeah. Um, go to the, the facility and work out and, you know, have ownership and empower their teams to do it all. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that you have taken the, taking the jump so young. And I'm, you know, I don't know if you follow, I follow Gary Vee a lot, but yeah. I've really been into what his message has been lately, which the older I've gotten, jump the oldest one at the table, the more and more I see that, like, He's like, make the decisions young, take the jumps young. Like you have, you do have so much time. Yeah. When I look at, you know, everything over the course of my last 20 years, I think I look back sometimes and think, gosh, I wish I would have made the move sooner or had more confidence in myself sooner to do it mm-hmm. or thought about, you know, what ifs, like what's the worst that could happen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think there's so much pressure for sometimes I think people get so bottlenecked into I have to. I have to look a certain way at this age and have it all figured out. I don't think that that's the reality. And I think a lot of people settle short on maybe a career path, an expectation because it was set. So that's where they need to go. And then they get stuck. Yeah. So I love when you said like, look, if you've been thinking about it or you're itching, whether it's owning or anything that Mm -hmm. you're thinking about, you probably just need to take that step. And I would even say, man, if you're young, I mean, frankly, if you're under 40, like you're still young. I mean, I'm over 40, but I'm still still young. young. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, you should take that jump. I think what you said and how you inspire people as a leader, not just as a woman entrepreneur, but just overall, I think is really kind of this next wave of people realizing there's so much opportunity and there's so much opportunity at a young age and, and to do it like you can do it. It's not something that's reserved for someone who has it all figured out No, because nobody really ever does. No. So I think that was really powerful what you said. If you have that itch, jump into it, but also just your perspective on doing it, do it now, don't wait. Um, and I think everything's figure outable. Yeah. Yeah. I think too is the the notion of, because I can just feel like someone listening to this and them thinking like, well, yeah, I don't have the money to do that, right? Yeah. And I think that if when there's a will, there's a way, Absolutely. right? There's a ton of people out there who want to invest. There's a ton of people out there who probably believe in you, yep. whether that's family or someone outside of that. Right. And so obviously you had that opportunity yep. and now you're capitalizing. Same thing for me, right? Mm-hmm. Is I had to find an investor for my very first studio. I didn't, I was living in a trailer. Yeah. Right. So I think when you want it bad enough, you'll figure it out. Absolutely. Um, where can, I know this is going to inspire somebody, where can they, if they have any questions, 
where can they find you on Instagram? And then yeah. what is the handle for your guys's location? Yeah. So my personal is my first and last name, Layla Tafazoli. And then um, to see our facility, you can check out ISI Dilworth. Awesome. All right. We're going to end it with some fun. So everybody gets to learn a little bit about you. Kay. So this is just going to be fire questions like a this or that. Okay. You ready? Ready. Okay. Would you say you're a mom or a daddy's girl? It depends on what I want. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. Wow. Okay. Dog or cat? Dog. Beach or mountains? Beach. Mm. Favorite food? Tacos. Okay. Um, what would be your favorite um, movement at ISI to do? Ooh, sled push. Sled nice. push. Good. Love it. All right. Well, thanks, Layla. Thank you. So much for being on. And guys, as always, the purpose of this podcast is to bring value to you guys in all aspects of what it means to actually train for life, both personally and professionally. And as you know, like it, share it, comment if this resonated with you. And uh, we'll see you on the turf. Oh,